Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Socks on Tap. Tony, I, my first reaction is just, fuck yes, let's go. Socks making returns. That's, that's where it all starts. Because it all starts taking care of business in-house in the Central Division. That's right, I'm a meatball. You gotta bring that top button swag, baby. It is always great to beat the Cubs. And I'm a homer, so I always say they're gonna. Dallas Keiko Lampson got some beards that you should be afraid of. What everybody said when he gets out there, it's me versus the other guy, and I'm gonna beat him. So I just love that mentality. It's cool and fucking tough. Steve, Steve, would you say that Tony is mad online? I, I would definitely say that. The White Sox winner. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Socks on Tap. I am your boy, Buzz. I am joined by everybody tonight. It's everybody. For a preview of the White Sox against Astros series. Before we get into it, be sure you're going to ontapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. Following us on Twitter at Socks on Tap at ontapsportsnet. Following Johnny at Nani Johnny. Following Tony at Tony on Tap. Following Steve at NWI underscore Steve and me at Buzz on Tap. Anywhere you can listen to podcasts, you can listen to us, five-star rating and review, because that's cool and tough. Check out Grandstand. Go to GrandstandSocks.com, Grandstand Socks on socials, or if you're down by the ballpark, walk over to Grandstand. Any White Sox gear you need, go ahead and check them out. They got the hookup. Also, if you're listening here on Twitter, Twitter switched everything that they've been doing with their lives, so we cannot see live comments. Why don't you head on over to the YouTube, throw us a sub, because that'd be pretty cool. We'll give you a beer if you do that. We probably won't, but, you know, you can try Subscribe over on YouTube. Throw some comments in here. Let's talk. Fellas, we're all together. Tomorrow marks the day that the White Sox start in the playoffs against the Houston Astros. I'm fucking hyped. I'm nervous, but I'm hyped. How are you guys? Johnny, start with you. Yeah, I'm jittery, Buzz. I'm nervous. <clears throat> Talked to you right before we jumped on this thing, man. Um, I'm, I'm already nervous. That That's just where I'm at right now. Um, We've got some memories of, you know, last year. And granted, it was a different setup, a little bit shorter uh, series just to start with. Only a little three-game thing there. But even that, I was on pins and needles then. And it is just amplified even more so now. I, I totally feel you on that. Steve, how are you feeling, my man? Hey, yo, boys. Surprisingly, I'm very calm right now. I guess it might just be the calm before the storm here. But, you know, the anxiety is not kicked in. I don't know if that's something that will happen when the alarm goes off maybe tomorrow morning. But, uh, no, I feel good, ready to rock. Socks-tober, baby. Socks-tober, baby. Tony, how are you? little mixture of both. I've gone through periods where I've been calm, and I, I, I think that uh, everything's under control. And then I have these brief moments of panic where I'm like, all right, this starts tomorrow. I don't know how I'm feeling right now. So it's been, uh, I guess, a, a kind of anxious day uh, it, during certain points. Anytime the, the news comes on and you see something about the socks, it's like, okay, this is coming. And then there's, uh, then there's the other times of the day where you're just working away and everything's normal and it's just your average off day. And there's chaos on Twitter. So same old, same old. Same shit, different day, basically, except we're going into a fucking playoff series. I, I totally feel you on that. Johnny, lead the way, man. You are the, you know, you made the breakdown. Uh, you lead the way on this. Yeah, Tony, you talked about some Twitter uh, chaos today, and that, that happened exactly with Jose Abreu. Um, you know, stuff breaking through early on that it might have been possible COVID test. Uh, that was confirmed to not be the case by the White Sox. Uh, it is flu-like symptoms, but it is not COVID. That was a big development today, big news story. So he did not fly down with the team on Tuesday night. Uh, he is hopeful. They're hopeful that he was going to fly there on his own. 
uh, tonight, meet up with the team, and they don't have a decision on him yet. They said they would uh, make more known about his availability tomorrow. Guys, uh, this is a scary start already. Yeah, when I saw all that, I, I panicked a little bit. I felt like shit, and I'm like, you got to be kidding me. And again, like, yes, we always like to joke around here. That's so White Sox, you know, that whole thing. And, like, if there was a moment, Johnny, where you're saying of that so White Sox, like, rang 100% true and existed in this realm of the universe, it was that. Like, it was if this, yeah. if a brand new was not to play in the first game of this very, very important series, it's just like, you know what? Like, are you surprised? Are you surprised because it's that so White Sox or is like, what do you, what do you even do with that? I have no idea what to do with that buzz. And that's, I think where you start to get a little bit startled. Um, and, and Steve, you and I were on the phone earlier today talking about this, like my, my, you know, my, my Homerism side that I get from buzz, you know, on one shoulders telling me like, this is going to pull the team together and they'll win. This, you know, just for Jose Abreu. And then there's the other part of my brain, the the negative Nani side that says, yeah, it ain't going to fucking happen. So, you know, that's you're torn apart at that point in time. Thank God it wasn't COVID because we'd be dealing with a whole other set of issues at that point in time. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Tony. And before I kind of go into this, hey, Zach, appreciate it, buddy. Appreciate it. more the headband just for you. Um, but no, like you were saying, Tony, man, when we were talking about this, um, that's kind of when my concern level started to pick up a little bit here because just the idea of knowing that the big man, that big bat in the middle of the lineup, if he wasn't there, that would change the complexion of this series. Even if he did miss only one or two games, you got five games here in which your season could come to an end. So you can't afford to not have that bat there in the middle of the lineup. And we were talking about the fact that we finally feel like they're just getting everybody back here, back at full strength can't afford to not have him and have that presence and that leadership right there in the middle part of the order. Right. So a uh, comment that we had come in, will relate to this, but uh, Tony LaRussa did say when he met with the media today that um, if Jose Brayu by chance does not play Thursday, he's pretty certain that he will be in Friday, but I like Jake Trojan's comment here. I uh, he says zero chance. He meaning a doesn't play. If he's feeling well enough top on a plane, he's going to start. I agree hundred percent. That's Jose Brayu's mentality. I don't know your guys thoughts on that. If he's traveling there, he's fucking playing. They're, they're, I mean, I, I don't see any other way around it. Like this dude ha- is going to have to be like literally on, in a wheelchair to not like we've seen it all year. He's gotten hit in the head. I mean, he's, you know, I mean, collisions uh, hit with 22 balls. I mean, you know, like the guy plays no matter what. And I'm, I'm, I mean, this flu or whatever he does have, if it's strong enough to keep him down respect it, I guess. But I, I just don't see him sitting this. He knows the implications of this man. It's not easy to get here. And I don't think he's going to take this lightly. And I, I want him to be healthy. Like, obviously, it's, you know, life over baseball. But if he feels like he could fly and he can get to Houston and he's going to be all right, I feel like he's going to play the game. I, I really do. I'd be shocked to not see him. In, I'd be absolutely shocked to not see him in the lineup tomorrow. I tweeted this out earlier. Try try and tell me that that guy is not going to be in the lineup tomorrow. Fact of the matter is, Jose Abreu is just built differently. Again, this is a guy that ate a fake passport so that he could get to the United States. If you think a flu bug is keeping him out of a playoff game, given all the bullshit that he went through during this rebuild and all the bad teams, no chance in hell. I think he plays and I think he goes deep in his first at bat. That's just Jose Abreu. 
yeah, I love it. I love that. And that, that just circles back perfectly to the comment that uh, Jake had left there. So um, another comment here from him. His fever is already broke, so it would just be aches and pains from the flu. Yeah, uh, they played through plenty of aches and pains uh, getting hit, like all those uh, scenarios that Buzz mentioned. Hey, what about that collision uh, early in the year uh, against Kansas City? I believe it was Dozier there. Um, so, yeah, he's played through some worse physical uh, pain than that. So if that if that's the case, um, another thing, too, on this comment here, saying his fever is already broke. Uh, we did have notification from uh, Mr. Bruce Levine um, over the weekend that Jose Brie was dealing with some symptoms. Said it wasn't COVID then. Um, obviously, it turned out that that was the case. But once again, not saying that you ever want a guy to feel sick. But if he was going to, you'd rather start that timeline earlier. And we knew that over the weekend. So it wasn't entirely new news. It was just a matter of he didn't travel with the team and he was a little bit behind there. So um, we'll be interesting to see. We'll get those out updates out from the Sox on Tap Twitter account as soon as they drop in. All right, next item of business is Lance Lynn. Game one starter. Boys, how are we feeling about this? I'll start. I uh I don't know. I, I like I love Lance Lynn and I'm excited for Lance Lynn. I'm um I, I'm not gonna lie to you, I was a little shocked though. I'll be hundred percent honest with you. I was a little shocked. I think that that's a fair thing to say, not because of his numbers by any means necessary throughout the the entirety of the year. It was just Giolito had such a strong second half. If you look at his numbers, um he also played Houston there what was that in June or was that July I, I forget the date um but he he Giolito had played them and he looked absolutely amazing while he was doing it um July 17th was his uh domination game all right so um Lance Lynn has struggled in his career as well against the Houston Astros uh he's pitched 81 and two-third innings um against them uh he's five and seven and 14 games 13 of which were started uh with a 4.41 ERA so that those are his uh those are his numbers in 81 and two third 82 hits he's let up there, you know, 40 earned runs. So he's not been particularly good against that team. Um Giolito's numbers are a ton better uh, against Houston in his career. Um, I guess not a ton, it's 3.7 ERA, but he's only pitched 34 innings against them. I thought that maybe the recency bias of this year would have had Giolito go in there, second half, strong outing against him when Lynn struggled, but it didn't happen that way. But I'm not upset or anything. I think that Lynn's been a fucking bulldog. And for the people that are upset, we're the same people that were calling for this guy to be the fucking Cy Young two months ago. So I'm not really sure why everybody's hating so much on it. Giolito pitched really good second half, but Lance Lynn's a great option. He's an elite pitcher, and he showed it to us this year. So I'm good with it. I'm good with it. Yeah, I think it's it's going to be a long series regardless. You're going to need wins out of Lance Lynn and, and Lucas Giolito to get there along the way. One, two, to me, I mean, looking at Lance McCullers Jr. against the White Sox, I saw somebody have a take out there earlier today that Tony's potentially uh, trying to just steal a game in game one and then go with the more dominant pitcher in game two. I could see where that lines up. But I think, you know, going back to the offseason and, and Steve, you know, I know you've been on the search for this for forever. The reason why you went out there and you got Lance Lynn may have been to be your game one guy. And I think that that's exactly what the White Sox are expecting out of Lance Lynn is he's your game one guy. He's your bulldog. He's going to set the tone for this series by coming out there and just giving you his best stuff of the year. That's what you want. That's the, that's the first start to this playbook is, is Lance Lynn shutting the Astros down as best as he can through five or six innings of baseball. And you turn it over to that bullpen. I I don't think that there's a, a wrong choice here between Lucas Giolito and Lance Lynn. But I think if you go to the guy who's been there before in a playoff run, somebody that Tony La Russa trusts, 
a fuck ton. It's Lance Lynn, and I, I, I'm happy with the decision either way. Tony, were you speaking to my source earlier this afternoon? Because I, you know, he he told me that same thing about uh, the reason why Lance Lynn was acquired for Dane Dunning, who you know, let's not forget, had a great Sierra through four starts at the Un- beginning of this year. Yeah. Confirmed. Any any chance he gets thrown in there? Throws it ha- there. Hashtag never forget. Never forget. Um, look, you guys all kind of kind of echoed a, a number of different sentiments that that I had there. You know, Buzz, kind of talking about the recency bias of it here, and so there was definitely a big part of me that thought it was going to be Giolito to get the ball given how strong he finished the year and some of the inconsistency that we saw from Lance in the second half. And Tony, to your point here, look, Lance was a guy that was at the top of Cy Young discussions for a good portion of the season up until maybe the last six weeks or so when he had the knee issues and and faltered in a couple of different starts there. Um, You know, and one of the other interesting things is I remember going back to, I think it was maybe like 2015, when the Dodgers had Zach Granke and they had Clayton Kershaw um, at the top of their rotation. And Dave Roberts did something interesting in, in a postseason series there where he actually had um, Granke starting game one and then Kershaw going game two. And a lot of people were kind of up in arms about this. And you actually see this pretty frequently um, in the NCAA baseball tournament leading up to the college world series is teams will actually utilize their number one pitcher that second game right there. So that, you know, if you do steal, like, like you talk about, if you steal that first game right there, now you got your best going right there, backing up. And now you got a chance to go up 2-0. flip side of that. You know, if something goes wrong in that game one, then you got your, your quote unquote, your ace and your stopper there to get you right back in that series, get you home with a split. So I understand the, the psychology behind both of it, but I'm not upset about Lance Lynn getting the ball here. Um, lots been made about, you know, how he's done against the Astros over the last two seasons, you know, going back to his time with the Texas Rangers. Listen, Lance Lynn, I've said it all year. This guy's guts and nuts. He's going to find a fucking way. You know, he's going to go out there. He's going to attack. He's not scared of the moment. He wants the ball. He wants to take it. He wants to shove. Guys, we just talked about a guy uh, in the lineup that battles through anything, and that's Jose Abreu. Of the pitching staff, that's Lance fucking Lynn. No doubt about it. So whatever any sort of ailments that he was feeling down the stretch, he whatever he had said himself, he you know pitches in uh, hoodies in 95 degree weather in Kansas City just to make sure he feels like shit all the time. So then if he actually does feel good, it feels even better. And he's just accustomed to being uncomfortable. So um, th- this guy is built for this moment is basically what I'm getting at here. So um, there's a reason that you go out and get this guy, the reason why you extend him. Um, there's a reason why uh, he was a Cy Young candidate for most of the season. I know that you can go and make a statistical argument. I'm not uh, refuting that at all. But when it comes down to the end of it, why I feel confident is exactly what Steve said and what he's been saying all year. Guts and nuts, baby. I love it. Let's go. Lance fucking Lynn. Let's queue up the ZZ top, Tony. Let's do it, bud. Yeah, absolutely love it. So um, about on Lynn there, let's get to Giolito. Buzz, you kind of touched on this here when you were starting off uh, with the, you know, kind of decision there and sort of some recency uh, statistics and uh, second half performances, all of that. Um, With Lucas Giolito going game two, uh, we've got a comment here that we'll get to as well from Jordan Miller, who kind of lays out more of the situation. But going back to that start against the Astros, this is why I feel good about game two as well. Um, Domination on that July 17th start on the south side when we had our trash can demolition tailgate. Uh, Complete game, three hitter, one earned run, no walks, eight Ks, and the only run came via a solo shot late in that game. So, Lucas Giolito, you're feeling good about this game too. I just want to bring up a point here, that comment that I alluded to from Jordan Miller. I love you, bud. 
Understand Lynn's numbers this year start great, but it doesn't really matter who gets the ball game one. Giolito pitched game one and one, Lynn blew it in game two, or vice versa. It's the same situation. Okay, yep, can totally see that. There can be some uh, unforeseen circumstances that come up, injuries, uh, certain things that could maybe play a factor into that, so that's the only kind of devil's advocate I'll play there. Uh, but either way, uh, you guys talk about taking uh, or stealing a game one and then being set up really well for game two. Uh, no better setup than this to have Giolito going game two. Thoughts? No, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, again, and even Steve's point before is starting that guy. So you have your best on the mound in game two. I mean, guys, let's 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 be honest. Even though with the numbers in the second half, it, it's a fucking toss up between Lance Lynn and Lucas Giolito at this point. The only one that you, I mean, the only other guy you put in their realm this year would be Carlos Rodon. That's a great problem to have. Who do you want to go first, right? Before the velocity went down with Rodon. As far as Giolito goes, it's just. I, I'm a big guy. I'm a big fan of like setting the tone right away. And I don't think there's any, there, there's not an argument here. Like I'm fine with Lance Lynn, just like you had said, Johnny, I'm fine with Lance Lynn. I feel confident with Lance Lynn on the mound. These two, I wouldn't rather have anybody else on the mound at this point. Um, I think in my heart, I think that Lucas Giolito has a little bit more success against Houston in this series. And the reason I say that is because Lance Lynn, like you guys said, he's guts and nuts. He's a tough motherfucker. He's going to throw the ball. He's going to go right down your throat. He's going to challenge you with a lot of fastballs. Guess who hits fastballs real well? Houston. Real fucking well. And that that's what I mean by setting the tone. But he is also a veteran elite pitcher. So it's like you don't want to question him. But you also look at what Houston does, which is why I kind of wanted Giolito to start because he's got a lot more breaking shit. He's got more of a repertoire in his in his pitch um, <clears throat> his pitch repertoire. He's got more weapons there. But I'm I'm okay with it. Like I said, in general, I just think that Giolito will be a little bit more successful in Game Two than Lynn will be in Game One. But again, I'm not I'm not scared. I, maybe I shouldn't say successful. I feel like Lynn would get caught before Giolito got caught. Does that make sense? Like you know, a bad pitch that just kind of gets taken advantage of or something like that. But I mean, again, comfort level across the first two games. I, I'm good, man. I'm fucking good. I mean, I think both of them can get caught on different things. And and one thing for, for Lynn is something that we talked about on this show on a Sunday fun day, just a couple weeks ago was Lance Lynn, not knowing when to pitch around people. Uh, you know, if, if that catches up with him in the Houston Astros lineup is, ripe with hitters who are going to jump all over something that they should in those situations. Uh, I mean, it's, it's a dangerous lineup for him just as much as I think it's a dangerous lineup for Lucas Giolito going out there. And if, if things don't go his way in the first second inning and he starts pouting around the mound and, and you get that version of Lucas Giolito instead of the version of Lucas Giolito you saw in Oakland in the playoffs last year, it's a completely different story. And all this is for not, uh, I think, you know, we can overanalyze each way, I like what Jordan said in the comments about it, it doesn't matter how you win these things. And, and Buzz, I'm actually a fan of what you said there. Set the tone. You want to carry the momentum, but something that is, I think, true in every playoff series is that momentum only lasts really one game because you come out there and it's another inning. It's a fresh game. That momentum doesn't carry over. It, it, it's it's something that the team atmosphere has to continue to keep continue to produce runs early in ball games to carry that momentum through. So no matter what these guys go out there and do on the mound too, some of this is going to be on the offense as well. And I think, you know, getting both of these guys run support early is going to be important as it has been all year. I mean, if, if Lance Lynn's working behind three runs and he's at, you know, uh, an elevated pitch count in the third, fourth inning, it, it people are going to be calling that, you know, up to the score and, and ESPN radio and saying, why did Larusa not start Giolito? And that's not even going to be on 
the pitcher. It's not going to be on Larusa. It's not on. It's not on anything at that point in time. You, you've got to get out there and get these guys some run support early. I think that's going to be one of the biggest keys to this series. I think you hit on a very key point there, Tony. I think if this team is able to go out there tomorrow and on Friday and start fast, get out in front of Houston, play with a lead, it is going to really change the mindset of this particular series here because that will allow the Sox then and Tony LaRusso to dictate matchups, allowing him to kind of dictate when to utilize his bullpen and how to utilize them and in what spots. So I think it is really important. And I think just with the guys you have in this lineup with Tim Anderson and assuming Luis Robert is hitting in the number two spot here tomorrow, these are two guys that like to attack early in counts and drive the baseball and nothing would set the tone more. We talk about setting the tone. Nothing would set the tone more than Timmy or Lou Bob put one over those fucking train tracks in left field. Absolutely. Guys, uh, you made all the pertinent points. There's just a few follow-up things. Run support is vital. It's crucial, Tony. I love that point because um, it doesn't matter. You could throw an excellent game, and even if the Astros have two and we have none, then that's that's it. That would be the ball game. You know what I'm saying? Um, so, And no matter who's pitching, it doesn't matter if it's Lucas Giolito, Lance Lynn, Dylan Cease, fucking Carlos Rodon, if you get to that point uh, later in the series. Houston's lineup is still good, no matter what. doesn't matter who they're facing. They're still good. So you, you need the importance of run support. Cannot be understated there. So I just wanted to follow up on that there. All right, let's get into uh, game three because no starter named for this yet, although TLR did mention Dylan Cease is a candidate. I would take that as probably the leading candidate, but he did not say that in those words. That's just my interpretation of it. Um, but what does this mean for uh, Dylan Cease here? And then also uh, Carlos Rodon because another comment following up on that was uh, TLR open to the game one starter going game four. That was kind of the terminology that he put it. So pitching some of these guys on short rest. I don't know if I totally foresee that happening, but said he's open to it. This could be a chess match thing. Uh, just saying one thing, maybe doing another uh, with the real plans are. Um, it could also be a, well, we don't know if we're going to get anything really meaningful out of the starter role from Carlos Rodon. So thoughts after we know what uh, we already know what's happening in games one, two uh, thoughts and just go ahead and elaborate on all, all those points. Uh, anything that strikes uh, your fancy there uh, from game three and beyond. I'd be goddamn shocked, boys, if Dylan Cease <laughs> didn't get the ball in game three at this point. After everything that we've heard about Carlos Rodon, unless this is some sort of card that they have up their sleeve or something, I I'd be absolutely blown away if two years in a row Dylan Cease doesn't get the ball. I felt like Dylan Cease pitched well this year. Um, obviously he had good shit over 200 strikeouts. I mean, he, he showed us that he was a, you know, a fine pitcher second half. He looked pretty decent as well. You know, of course we get our every once in a while, wild Dylan sees games where that one big inning haunts him. And to Tony's point, if we're not scoring runs and that one of those innings happened to him, that's, that's fucked. Um, but I don't know, man, I, at this point, dude, like everything that Tony, didn't we just talk about this the other day when we were doing the podcast, like Tony LaRusso's, um, demeanor about the whole thing with Carlos Rodon. Did we spend some time on that? We did. Like, yeah. Where I just, I can't tell. I can't tell. I don't I, poker face. I, dude. I, I'm, I'm saying like, I don't know if, is he going to be the guy? All that business. It, it is. I can't read it. I cannot read that motherfucker. And there's like one thing I pride myself on is like, I can read people. I always thought pretty well. I cannot read what his thoughts are on Carlos Rodon. I have no idea. So when we're walking in the game three on Sunday, I would assume it'd be Dylan cease. And if they did decide to go short rest and have Lynn go in game four, then that's their prerogative when they get to it. Um, I Again, I'd just be goddamn shocked if, if Dylan Cease was in game three. 
I mean, Morrissey was on with Josh Friedman and, and WGN today and called Dylan Cease arguably one of the best pitcher or the best pitcher in the AL this year. I mean, that's some that's some high praise. Regardless of how you feel on Morrissey, that's some high praise coming from a guy that that follows a lot of baseball. I think Dylan Cease, the interesting thing with him, at least for me, is that the stuff and Johnny, you can you're, you're probably going to be right all over this. His stuff is so fucking nasty. It is lethal. That hammer that you love so much, I mean, every time he breaks that thing out and he's on, he's unhittable. He just looks so good. And if you get that version of Dylan Cease, he's kind of under radar, the guy that can step up and makes you feel somewhat comfortable if Carlos Rodon, at least in this series, if Carlos Rodon can't go and, and you get that game out of Dylan Cease, it could be one of the most crucial points to a long postseason run is the Dylan Cease start. If you get that Dylan Cease, that that that's the lock and key in this whole entire series, at least in my mind, because you're 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 gonna you're gonna get a win, I think, out of either Giolito or Lynn. It's that game right there. Is it Dylan Cease? And I think right now I'd rather go with Dylan Cease and put put my money on that than question mark ridden Carlos Rodan, at least at this juncture. Because the stuff is just there. Yeah, I think going with Dylan Cease in Game Three is really going to make the most sense if, if we're being completely honest. Otherwise, realistically, you're looking at a scenario where it's a piggyback of Carlos Rodon and maybe Michael Kopech or Ronaldo Lopez. So there's a lot of risk involved with that. Um, and you know, to your point, Tony. I mean, look, we we've seen it far too many times this year with Dylan Cease when he goes out there and when he has that A plus command, he can go out there and he can bury anybody. Even that start that he had against the Astros on July 16th, when you know I think he gave up maybe four or five runs in in that game in total. You know, he had a rough second inning in there, and then he just locked it down after that. And I think he had like nine or ten strikeouts in that start there. Um, you know, so he he had that one bad inning that has kind of plagued him all season, and then he got it together and he held that lineup at bay. So we know that he's obviously got the stuff, and Steve Stone's been talking about this all season. He's got the best stuff on this staff, no question about it. It's just a matter of harnessing it with a level of consistency. And if he goes out there, and if he is that guy, then I mean, this this thing could get. I mean, it could be absolutely lethal. And I've used this comparison a number of times, and I'm not saying he's going to end up going to the Hall of Fame, but he's a guy that reminds me somewhat of a young Max Scherzer. When Max Scherzer first came up to the big leagues with the Arizona Diamondbacks, and then when he got traded to the Detroit Tigers, he was very inconsistent his first couple of years. Then the second half of 2012, when they were battling the Sox for a division title, he put it all together. And if we see a similar type of trajectory from Dylan Cease. Again, I'm not expecting it to be Max Scherzer Hall of Fame level there. But if we get something similar to that or, or just a, a slight upward trajectory right there, the White Sox are going to be in a very good position with Dylan Cease on the mound.
Right. Um, I love all the points that you guys made there. Um, one thing that I'll come back to is that game three is at home. So you're getting Dylan Cease in a comfortable environment there. I know it'll be raucous. I know it'll be rowdy and he's still a young pitcher here, but um, I think you'd rather have him have that atmosphere at home in his favor, uh, cheering him on instead of against him uh, in a rabid Houston environment there. So I think it makes sense. And I'm a big fan of organization planning all that. You know, you have three starters. We've already got two of them laid out. You have three for sure that can start a game here. You got Lance Lynn, you got Lucas Giulio. Those are already set in stone. I think it's just a little bit of a mixed match, maybe a little, uh, you know, uh, not showing your hand by Tony LaRusso there. But I think it's pretty set in stone that Dylan Cease is probably going to start game three. And then you also gives you the opportunity then when you have that plan laid out, A, to manage your bullpen how you want um, and how you need to, to, depending on how those games go. See who's available and can offer you what innings when you get to a game four scenario uh, when you're evaluating uh, if you're going back to a Lance Lynn or if you're doing that piggyback thing uh, that Steve had mentioned there earlier. So um, that's my final comments there on pitching there. Let's move on to uh, the X Factor, Eloy Jimenez. Steve, take it away. You wrote about this. Listen, we all know what type of hitter Aloy Jimenez can be and the type of presence he can provide to this lineup. The fact of the matter is that for whatever the reason, we just simply did not see that for a good portion of this year. Is it after effects from the torn pectoral muscle that he had in spring training? I'm not a medical professional, even though I play one in real life, so I can't really speak to it. But if this guy puts together the types of at-bats that we saw from him with consistency last season when he was terrorizing the American League, it's going to lengthen this lineup out. And all of a sudden, if you have this guy hitting fifth or even sixth in your lineup behind Yoan Mankata, behind Yasmani Grandal, behind Jose Abreu, the White Sox are going to be scoring a lot of runs and they're going to be in a very good position to be winning this series and advancing to the ALCS here. I talked a lot in the piece about the fact that he was getting carved up by fastballs. Um, for a good portion of this season here. And again, if I can see that, I'm sure the, the data analysts at the Houston Astros can see this. So now it's up to Eloy to understand and to recognize this. This is the approach that they are probably going to take with him. He's got to gear up. And if he gets that timing back, starts turning and burning and putting balls over those railroad tracks right there. And if he's talking to his mom on camera right there, we're in a good shape, boys. Yes, uh, great uh, some, you know, kind of summary of what you wrote in the article. More detailed, more figures, more tables, more numbers, all that good stuff. On tapsportsnet.com, click on the White Sox tab. Why Eloy Jimenez is the White Sox lineup's postseason X Factor. So thank you. Guys, uh, go ahead and spout off an X Factor for me. Um, the main players, X Factors, who's going to get it done here um, in the series and why. Just a little brief summary there. We don't need to go fully in-depth uh, to each of these guys, but uh, let's each give one here, and then we can move on to kind of uh, unlikely heroes after that so keep in mind we got those as well try not to double up i'll try not to double up here and i don't want to fucking take the easy route and i hate to do it um but i i'm going to take Luis robert i think this is going to be a, a nationally uh you know national coming out party for him uh and how good he's been leading up into the postseason and you i think you all know here how badly i wanted to pick ta i, I so badly wanted to pick ta but i if i'm being realistic about it man I, I think it's going to be Luis Robert, and I think you're going to see a coming out party here. I think he's just going to carry the off. I mean, he's going to be – if he's on clicking on all cylinders, this team is not going to fucking lose. And that's just I, that's just how I feel. Like, whether he's doing it in the field or he's doing it at the plate, that that's the guy that if he is hot, they're not going to fucking lose. That's my X factors, Luis Robert. Sorry if I took anybody's. I could go a lot of different ways with this. 
but I'm going to go Yoan Moncada as the X factor. Um, there was one moment in a series, Johnny, I believe we were there uh, uh, during a, a Yoan Moncada coming out party against the Houston Astros. And I, I like to say that history likes to repeat itself. And I think that Yoan Moncada may have some sort of walk-off magic type X factor uh, in his bat during this series. I think that he's been just quietly really good this year. And I know there's so many people who talk about Yoan Moncada in the sense that, you know, he can be so awesome. And Steve, I still go back to the the talk that we had and the drive to feel the dreams um, during that like three hour long car ride during the first leg. We, we spent a good hour talking about what Yoan Moncada could be if he puts it all together. Then there's the other side of Yoan Moncada that you see where you know, just the other day, he's going opposite field. Um, the, the ball's just jumping off of his bat. He's finding gaps. He's making plays defensively at third base. And I don't want to just talk about this in the offensive light. I think that Yohan Moncada can be a real difference maker in this series. And he, he may never, you know, get to that that full Luis Robert pedigree buzz that you're talking about. But I think Yohan Moncada has the ability to change a series. And if he's one of those guys that I think – you if you if you're starting to rank the stars of this team he he kind of falls towards the middle of the pack and i think that when he's on he can really carry this fucking team i think that Yohan Moncada is absolutely the x factor in this I wholeheartedly series. i actually wholeheartedly agree with you yeah. i still keep robert but every point that you made about that i wholeheartedly agree with no i love those i mean you got luis robert hat at the end of the season buzz to your point and then uh, tony I, I like the kind of uh, thing to go opposite of patsy Prize from sopranos it will be cinematic Yohan Moncada book ending the year home opener opposite field shot to get the boys going end of the year steal a game against Detroit there when they were down in that one opposite field shot late go ahead uh, home run there so I like those I uh, wanted so to you, take Gavin Sheets yeah. so bad <laughs> <laughs> we still have another category for that so don't I've already got a different pick yeah. for that one so, though, okay so. let's I'll go to mine then real quick a guy who arguably the best players uh best offensive player in the league since he came back from his injury he has money fucking grand doll baby uh at least two home runs at least two home runs I already said it on a Sunday fun day a couple weeks ago at least two home runs in the ALDS. It's happening. Uh, he did it last year in a shortened wildcard series. It's happening again. Uh, you need that constant production. You saw how much better they got as a team offensively when he came back and we was at full strength. So yes, money getting on base uh, and then also driving the ball out of the yard or, uh, you know, to gaps there. So th- that's my X factor. All right, let's move on to uh, potential unlikely heroes here. Um, this will be interesting. I'm excited to hear uh, what these picks are, especially since you already have yours laid out there, Tony. Um, I'll let you guys go first, then I'll uh, pick up scraps after that. I guess I'll start it off. Um, unlikely hero. So we're very invested into the team, right? <laughs> so, like, I mean, I think we expect big things out of anybody that really, uh, you know, gets their moment within the playoffs. Just again, because we're invested in the players, we're invested in the team. We've watched every game. We've covered over 130 of them this year. You know, I mean, it, it's just. I, I guess my unlikely hero, and I hate the fact that you have him down, Johnny, on the on the thing here on the rundown, but it's Cesar Hernandez. I think okay. he's gonna. Do, I'm sorry. Come on, is it the twin telepathy again? You can't be upset if it's a if, twin. No, telepathy. if you guys got different points, feel free to share them. But if you want to yeah. go a different one, you can't I be mad if it's. Twin I'm telepathy. just gonna change yeah. mine now. No, you can't if it's twin telepathy. I am. No, I'm t- changing. You fucked it up. You fucked it up. <laughs> I'm upset. You've there's upset no rules me. here. There are, there, there's no rules. Fuck you think this is? No, I have Cesar Hernandez as my unlikely hero because, listen, uh, earlier in the year before he even made the trip to Chicago and, and he was trade, uh, traded here, the dude had pop in his bat. 
yeah, the yeah, the average wasn't there. The OBP wasn't all that great, but the dude was fucking hitting bombs and playing really good defense. I think you're going to get some fun games out of him. <clears throat> and probably, I don't want to say in a clinching game or anything like that, but in a very important situation, I think Cesar Hernandez is going to show out. I, I really believe that in my heart. I think he's going to fucking make something happen. Um, and I don't think he's going to be, you know, I don't think he's not going to be in the lineup. He's obviously going to be in the lineup and I think he's going to make something happen. He did not play well here after he was traded. He had a, like, what was that? A good week span that he was looking all right. Then had a couple good moments here and there. And then it was just absolute fucking not great. Bob, as Steve would text us, don't look at baseball reference. It says our Hernandez's stat line. Don't look at it. Don't look at it. But I think it's going to be him. I think he's got some tricks up his sleeve. I think he's a, you know, he's been in the league for a long time. Obviously, he's got, you know, he's very good defensively. He's got some pop in that bat. I think he is going to step up here in the postseason. Yeah, we had a comment there, Buzz, uh, from Robert Hester. Thanks for chiming in. Uh, he says uh, when he was going back to our pitcher discussion, <laughs> Dill teases Greg Maddox on steroids. Um, Cesar Hernandez is the X factor, so he put him in X factor. I agree. Uh, you can put him in a uh, kind of unlikely hero role here too. Uh, Buzz, or excuse me, Tony, Steve, whoever wants to go, go ahead. All right, I'll go here. So I'm going to change it up a little bit here. My my unsung hero is going to be a guy on the pitching side of it. Everyone knows I'm the cat, I'm the conductor of the Aaron Bummer train. I think he's going to be the guy here that he could have the Orlando Hernandez type moment for this team in this series here. So I was doing a little bit of digging uh, earlier this morning, looking at some some statistical data. So the Astros as a team have the top ranked. Uh, weighted run created plus in baseball at 116. If you look at their splits, they're 116 versus righties, 117 versus lefties. So they're virtually identical. Now, if you break it down even a little bit further, the three lefties that the Astros have in their lineup, Kyle Tucker, WRC plus against lefties, 144. WRC plus against righties, 149. Jordan Alvarez against lefties, 140. Against righties, 137. The big di- so those two guys pretty even, okay. So how Aaron Bummer is deployed, how he's able to go out and attack those guys is going to be paramount. But the one guy where there's a major disparity is the veteran Michael Brantley against righties. He's got a 150 WRC plus against lefties. It's 59. Is so, it really that bad against lefties? Yeah. Okay. So. How Aaron Bummer gets deployed in this series and, and how Tony LaRusso decides to utilize him and when he decides to utilize him is going to be of paramount importance. And we've seen over the last maybe two weeks or so, he has started to look like the lethal weapon that he was in 2019 again, going out there just burying guys with ground balls. I think I saw a, a stat over the last month, his average launch angle against has been like negative nine degrees. It's actually so, the ninth circle of hell, Steve. Yeah. I mean, so so guys are just beating the ball into the ground against him. And when he's right, and when he's got that sinker-slider combination going, whether it's lefties or righties, he can go out there and he can attack and he can get anybody out. So that's my guy I'm watching here. Love that. He stabilized, too, towards the end of the year. We were all looking for that. Who When, when are the, some of these guys going to get out of these funks that we had uh, with so many bullpen issues? He was one guy that really proved it down the stretch. So I like that a lot, Steve. Tony, go ahead. And I just thought of this in like the last, you know, brief moment that uh, Steve was talking, but I, I think unsung hero is going to be Carlos Rodon. I like it. I, I, I rather have the twin telepathy cause I felt connected to you, but that's yeah. really good. <laughs> no, I think it's going to be Carlos Rodon out of the bullpen and he's going to come in for an inning or two. If, if you're given Dylan Cease game three, 
This might be later on in the series, but you're going to get Carlos Rodon out of the bullpen for an inning or two that are are kind of, as Steve said, you know, El Duque esque. Like, just he comes out there, he's giving you 95, 96, maybe touches 97 miles an hour on the fastball, and just you know goes balls out for two innings and, and shuts something down. I think that you know there's a high chance that you will see him in this series, considering what Tony LaRusso said that the, uh, the bullpen looked all right. And and then they're just going to, you know, take it day by day. I don't think they're going to have the faith to go to him in a start. I think they may or may not use him in a bullpen role. And I think that if, if he is used, it's going to be a very high leverage situation. So I'll, I'll put my money in that basket. Love it. Glad we have two pitchers in the mix here. I'm going to go back to position players, and it's going to be Adam Engel. This may not feel like it's too under the radar because he uh, did hit a home run in that series last year against the Oakland A's, but there has just been not a massive sample size with him this year. Uh, It's been injury-plagued season, but he's healthy. He's right. Obviously, he has a pop in the bat. We know that, and he is a burner. He will eliminate guys from taking extra bases just by getting the ball quick and having a strong enough arm to get it back into the infield. So we talk about offense. Sure. Yes. You can provide the pop when needed. Uh, if he gets on base, he's always a threat uh, to, you know, advance, take multiple bases uh, on a play where a slower runner would obviously only take one. So there's that uh, just every 90 feet matters, that sort of thing that we discussed way back in June, Steve. Um, and then there is the defensive side. Like I mentioned there, we know he has elite defensive ability. So as long as he's healthy, uh, I definitely think Adam angle comes up uh, in some clutch situations here and maybe uh, some plays that might not be extreme highlight reel ones but where it's you're limiting a guy from taking the extra base and that's what helps you get out of an inning that could be uh, where adam angle could be a kind of unlikely hero uh in this one so uh, i like that uh, around the horn here guys that was, that was a good uh potential unlikely hero one here um let's go with no one uh, took zach collins though oh no no <laughs> kind of disappointed because yeah. I, I I figured Steve was going to go Zach Collins. I just want to rehash this a little bit with him because there was a segment on this show this year at one point where Steve talked about how well Zach Collins hits right-handed pitchers. So I thought there was going to be the Zach Collins pinch hit against a right-handed pitcher home run and in extra innings. You failed to forget that I also called Zach Collins out later on in the season here. And I talked <laughs> about the fact that, that, WRC plus against right-handers was significantly weighted by his walk rate against them and the fact that he wasn't slugging. So you got to remember, I called out the bad as well. No, I know you called out the bad. I just, I I figured Zach Collins would have been your choice. So I'm a little, I was just, I was thrown off by the Aaron Bummer thing. If we see, if we see Zach Collins in this series, I think we got some problems. Yeah. Uh, all right, boys, let's move it on here. Uh, we got to get out of here pretty soon, but uh, let's go game one here. What are we expecting against? We obviously talked ad nauseum about Lance Lynn, so we can sprinkle in any final thoughts you have on him there, but uh, against Lance McCullers Jr. Uh, going up, we've seen him uh, at least once earlier in the season, so uh, how we think we will fare uh, against Houston's number one. I think we're going to fuck him up. I'm just, I, I have to get in that mindset. You're a homer. So I always say they're going to. Don't interrupt me. Anyway, <laughs> I, I just, I have to. Johnny, we were talking about this before everybody got on. We're nervous, right? But when I'm nervous, I got to pump myself up. I got to do something that'll make my, you know, like bring my chi and, and my juju up. So I have to believe we're going to fuck them up, dude. It sucks 3 nothing. That's what I believe. That's what's going to happen. The Sox are going to win this series 3 nothing. Fuck Houston. I believe that. I'm a homer, so I say they're going to. It is what it is. Taking the line from the intro. That's what's going to happen. Socks and three. 
fuck Houston. That's where I'm at. Ooh, well, you already got your series prediction out of there. I was going to go after this, but just from game one, uh, what are we expecting here, Tony? Uh, Steve. Go ahead, Tom. I'll take it. I, I, I think that the Sox are going to have a long, hard battle in this game and come up maybe a little short. I, I think that uh, uh, Lance McCullers Jr. is just fucking he's, – he's had the Sox number. It's going to be a tough battle through the first few innings of this game. Um, and I just – I'm a little nervous about this one. I think if there is a game in this series that I am most nervous about, it is game one. I think that there's multiple factors here. One, if Jose Abreu does not play, it significantly, significantly turns uh, in favor of the Houston Astros, just in my mind. Do I think Jose Abreu will be in the lineup? Absolutely. But in in just looking at this from no fandom standpoint whatsoever, I think that uh, McCullers Jr. has had some really impressive starts against the White Sox. They've had some trouble uh, with him in the past. So, I've got to say, Johnny, I'm going to ride the negative Nani train all the way here and say they're going to lose, and I'm going to hope that they're going to win so that, you know, if if they if overachieve expectations, yeah. I'm going to be even happier. That's how I'm looking at this. Never one. get up for the letdown. Simple. So, you know, Tony, you talk about Lance McCullers Jr. having a couple of solid starts against the Sox this year. He has not seen Aloy Jimenez. He has not seen Luis Robert. So he and, and he didn't see Yasmani Grandal in that, in, that, in that second start right there. So this is not going to be the same, you know, White Sox lineup that they ran out there down during that four game sweep in Houston that everybody, you know, was all up in arms about that. Everybody keeps pointing to the fact of the matter is I actually I think that this game tomorrow is going to be a lot more high scoring than people are anticipating here. Um, there is part of me that thinks that the Sox are going to fall a little bit short on this one, maybe like six to five. But um, I, I think this thing is going to kind of be a little bit of a back and forth affair. And I think there's going to be a lot of fireworks going off. And uh, I think there's going to be some missiles hit over the railroad tracks tomorrow on both sides. Steve, yeah. I'm Steve. I'm right there with you, man. I think that this is, this is going to be a, a barn burner of a game. Yeah, um, I could very well see it. I mean, you saw things getting going early. Um, obviously, Yankees didn't respond last night, but in that wild card game in the AL, uh, you saw Xander Bogart's first inning shot, and that was off, you know, one of the best pitchers in the game, uh, Garrett Cole there. So uh, very, you know, uh, much so uh, could be a barn burner here. Um, I'm just off the thought train that I believe Houston can flip the switch, ignite a little bit quicker, where I feel like the Sox need to warm up a little bit with the bats, and they've also been off for a week. Um, that, that is just, I, I know both teams are in that kind of scenario. They neither have played since Sunday. Sunday and everyone played at the same time on Sunday. I get that, but um, j- just of my belief and with the experience that they have, I feel like Houston will bring it a little bit. And it'll still be a hard-fought game, and I don't think we'll be down in the dumps disappointed. I think the Sox will put up a hard fight, but I agree with something like Steve's line uh, there, maybe a 5-4, 6-5, 7-5 game. I can definitely see that there. Uh, and just there's a the potential that, you know, with Lance Lynn uh, being predominantly fastballs, uh, there's a chance uh, that the Astros – team that loves fastballs uh could put a few out uh, and that puts the socks behind the eight ball they make a rally um and then it just falls short so th- that's what i kind of see for that but let's go overall series predictions here boys uh buzz i know you got to give your socks in three i fucking love it L- love the gung-ho uh but if you want to elaborate on that and then if not um you guys uh buzz excuse me tony steve uh go ahead and give yours and then i'll round it out with mine we can close this thing down uh johnny i don't really want to elaborate all i want to say is just you know uh middle fingers up to them yeah. Uh, Peter Griffin, I'm so fucking ready yeah. through the ceiling yeah. type shit. That's where I'm at right now. Three nothing. I can't tell myself anything different. 
Love it, it. Tony kind of alluded to it. It's like, you know, he won't be let down if they exceed his expectations. I'm going to be a fucking emotional train wreck the whole time. So I just need to tell myself it's three, nothing socks, magical run to the fucking world series. That's where I'm at. Three Oh socks sweep the Houston trash throws and uh, have a good time doing it too. I think the Sox in four, that's what I'm taking. I think they lose game one. I think that uh, both uh, Steve and Johnny, uh, our kind of thought path here is uh, it's not exactly a game where you're going to feel overwhelmed. There's going to be some positives to take out of it. There's going to be some animosity and there's going to be some energy. There might be a little slap in the face before we go for the kill. So that's that's my mentality here is there's going to be a, a very good ball game tomorrow. Sox may come up a little short and then they roar back for three in a row. Um, and we'll be uh, we'll be celebrating on Monday night. That's my series prediction. I agree wholeheartedly, Tony. Three one socks. Um, you know, if you if you really break these things down here, and everyone talks about this Astros lineup, and believe me, it is a very good lineup. But this Sox lineup is very comparable to it. If you look at it in terms of on base percentage, the key variance between the two teams is the slugging. Astros had 22 extra points in slugging over the course of the year. They hit 31 more home runs. But again, the White Sox went extended periods of time without Aloy Jimenez, without Luis Robert, without Yasmani Grandal, without Timmy. They had all these guys out for a sizable portion of the season. They are hashtag back now, and I think the key X factor, the key separator between these two teams is the bullpen. You look at what Liam Hendricks did being AL reliever of the month during September, and you have Aaron Bummer back in this thing now, and Ryan Tapera throwing the ball well. He's back. I trust the Sox bullpen more than I trust the Astros, and I think Tony La Russa is going to pull the right strings here, and I know that's probably going to be taboo to say to, to some fucking people out there, and everybody knows I wasn't someone in favor of the hire, but I think he's going to know how to manage this bullpen correctly when it comes down to it, and I trust the Sox group in that bullpen more than I trust the Astros. Sox and four, we're celebrating on Monday. Let's fucking go. I guys, I love it. I love it. And you probably expect me to go negative 90 here. Probably probably expect me to go favor the Astros here. No, fuck it. It's going to be cinematic. And I wish it would be on the South side, but there's no way that this thing doesn't make our hearts explode out of our chest. Socks go and take it in dramatic fashion. Socks in five down in Houston, taking it home. Love it. Oh God. I think you and I will be dead. Yes. Oh, I will be, but (laughs) they don't know. They don't know anything else, but to make us, uh, make make us sweat it out. And I, I'm, you know what, I'm preparing myself for that. So if it happens at home on Monday night and we're all celebrating, I cannot wait to be hung over a shit on Tuesday morning, uh, celebrating white Sox playoff series winner, true playoff series winner. Um, I wish nothing more than that, especially since we'd be able to get into attendance there. Uh, be able to all see that. But, um, I just think that, I'll differ from you guys since we had a couple four game predictions there. We had a three. Um, I'll go five and extend it out. So we have uh, spreading the variety here. So um, that, that's about it. We've got from preview things here. So uh, the final notes, and then I think we'd sign off. I don't really have too much of anything. I just know that we'll be doing a show, whoever it is, live every day, at least if, well, I mean, the early games kind of suck for me. But I mean, if we can get on right away together as a group and talk over the games that we're not attending in the playoffs. Uh, we will. We'll be here on Socks on Tap. It's the only final note I really have on anything. Um, I want to wish luck to the White Sox real quick. I know they, you know, they probably won't see this, but I got to print the good juju down, man. Do the, you know, I'm going to drink a lot of beers for them. I'm going to hurt myself and my liver for them. So uh, I just hope they do real well. That's, that's all I got. So that, that that's my ending fucking spiel for the whole show. Actually, I'm I'm pretty good on that. 
ending spiel. Uh, you know, just you know, PSA to myself more than anyone else. Try and appreciate this. Uh, try and and soak in every moment of White Sox coverage of of White Sox baseball that you can over this next few days. The Sox are in the playoffs. You've endured so much over the past few years during this rebuild. So many shitty times. So many embarrassing moments as a White Sox fan. Now's your time to talk some shit to other fan bases. Now's your time to say, you know, you are the AL Central champions of 2021. Now's your time to, if if, if the Sox do go on and win this, celebrate it, enjoy it, try and your damn best to remember it, um, and, and just appreciate what's in front of us right now because the White Sox have not been this relevant in a very long time. And it's it's at least for me right now, I don't know how you guys feel. I'm almost like at a point where I don't believe it, even though it's right here in front of me. And I have to stop myself every now and then and say like, this is a good baseball team that we've watched all year. This is a team that can make a deep playoff run. They have the pieces. It's okay to accept that and, and, and have fun with it instead of trying to pick apart every little thing that, that can go wrong and will go wrong. That's the negative Nani on my shoulder telling me it's, it's going to go wrong. It's okay to sit here and appreciate what happened during this season and say that it's special and that it means something. I think this has been a very memorable year. And, you know, I, I think short of a championship, it's going to be a disappointment for a lot of people, myself included. But I have had a fuck ton of fun talking about this team each and every day with, with you guys throughout the regular season. I know we did a, a season clo- close down show the other day talking about some memories. Johnny, you weren't on it, but once again, just appreciate the hell out of this playoff. Baseball is different than regular season baseball. I got all excited last night watching the Red Sox oust the Yankees and just watching the fans, just how into the game they were. They were standing the entire time. I cannot wait to be there on the South side to see playoff baseball and it's it's almost to the point where like I don't know how to act. I haven't been to a playoff game before. This is this is new for me, and it shouldn't be, and it won't be after the next five to ten years. And I hope that's the case. And we're all celebrating it together, guys. I am so fucking excited for this. Mission Soxtober, eleven wins to glory. It all starts tomorrow. Get three against Houston. Let's march on from there. I'm ready. I'm psyched. I've I've been through a couple of these, you know. I've I've been fortunate enough to go. Elder to statesman. Of, yeah, I'm fortunate enough to have gone to a couple of playoff games during the course of my life here, and um, man, it, it does. It just it hits differently. I'm ready to go. Let's get this thing started. Let's go out there. And let's kick their fucking asses tomorrow. Yeah, oh my so. god, let's go! Yeah, yeah, I love it. I'm, I'm all jacked up. Uh, and We've skiing. got a, We've got a it. buzz. Um, it's okay. My, my one last thing is yes, we are going to be hyped, and you should be hyped. We should be excited. We should, you know. And I know everybody's going to overreact to everything, but there is time in a five game series to feel it out a little bit. So if the White Sox lose Game One on Thursday, don't feel down in the dumps like it's absolutely over. Because guess what? There's so many factors that work in their favor, as Steve had mentioned about the lineup finally all being back together. The bullpen, it, much better uh, than Houston's on paper. I absolutely agree. I'll ride with the White Sox squad over the Houston squad any day there. So there are factors that can tilt that thing back in the White Sox uh, favor. So don't jump off the fucking bridge 
uh, after a game one. Um, if something happens, and even along the way, if you have a hiccup in between there, as long as you're playing competitive baseball, nothing absolutely egregious, um, you, you can still stay leveled and stay centered and come back from that. Um, we've seen it in dude. What if we all uh, went off the deep end in, in 2013 for the Hawks? I was so, just you know? about to, I was just about to actually yeah, interrupt so. you, and I didn't want to, but I was going to say. If there's anything that the Blackhawks taught me, it's the game ones don't matter. And I know that's not the case. I know that's not the 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 the, the end all be all. If if you know you win or lose game one, but I am accustomed to the game one loss a little bit. Thank you to the Chicago Blackhawks franchise and and mainly Joel Quinville. For making that possible for me, Johnny. I don't know yeah. about how you feel. Yeah, about that. you got an elder shavings behind the bench uh, for our White Sox here uh, with, with Tony Larusa too. So um, keep keep calm, keep faith, and, and let's go fucking White Sox. Let's go. That's all I've got. I want fireworks on Sunday. Well, we all hope you enjoyed that show. We'll be with you every step of the way, and I hope you're with us every step of the way as we go through the fucking playoffs here and hope the Sox make some shit happen. Everybody be sure you're going on tapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. Following us on Twitter, at Sox on Tap, at on Tap Sportsnet. Going to YouTube and hitting that subscribe button and joining us because we cannot see your comments any longer on Twitter. Um, so please do that if you get a chance. It'd be awesome. Go to Grandstand. I don't know what's happening over there. Something's happening over there. Go to Grandstand. Socks.com or go to Grandstand down by the ballpark. You can follow them on socials at Grandstand Socks. Get all your White Socks gear anywhere you can listen to podcasts. You can listen to us five star rating review because that's cool and tough. Boys, we'll be back in some capacity tomorrow. Good juju, good thoughts. That's all we need. Good chi for real, man. Do the fucking jazz. People make fun of that shit. My aunt does that. She believes in the stars. Do the fucking hands and shit. We're going to win this. We're going to do it. Togetherness brings beautifulness. And that's what's going to happen tomorrow. Fucking kill him. I don't think that's a good thing to say after I said together. <laughs> I, I, I realized how contradictory it. that was. But in the it's midst of that. Jekyll and Hyde. Yeah. yeah, Jekyll and Hyde, man. It's, you know, one, one side of your face painted, the other not. Yeah. White Sox forever. White, White Sox, Sox forever. forever. White Sox for life. For-